The following is a vintage broadcasting publication presented by Frank Goss. The following podcast is entitled Dewey's Dumbing Down of the American Children. This series is concentrated on the state of public education in the United States of America. You know, the more we discuss these things, the more uh, certain points become obvious. One of them is that the school system in the United States was designed to be a collectivist system from the start. And as we see government education, it's been extensively documented. And this isn't just an opinion or a bunch of guys getting upset with the way things are going. It's when you look back and you begin to examine how we arrived at where we're at, you start to see how things were set up originally. As soon as the federal government got involved, things went quickly from bad to worse, with the slow and steady decline in education turning into, really, an absolute freefall. Today, public school is a disaster, even by the government's own measures. Consider, for instance, that the latest scores from the federal government's national assessment on education reveal more than two-thirds of eighth graders aren't proficient in any core subject, any course of study. It's hard to be worse than that. The United States government bears a big part of the blame. And there should be no doubt that these things were done deliberately, intentionally, by experts and former insiders. And they all tell the epic times that these things are true. Now, because the U.S. Constitution delegated absolutely no power over education to the federal government, and because the Tenth Amendment specifically reserves all non-delegated power to the state or to the people, it wasn't easy for the federal camel's nose to get under the tent, but it did. It, it took almost 200 years for Washington to get seriously involved in public education because of the way the Constitution was established. Our founders understood the heart of man, and they understood the power of man and the desire and the greed and the lust for this power. And they knew they had to put certain roadblocks in place that prohibited the government from usurping too much power. Eventually, the communists worked diligently toward the goal of education, gaining education for decades. And in 1932, in a book called Toward Soviet America, Communist Party USA leader William Foster boldly outlined the agenda for his fellow revolutionaries. The goal, a United States Department of Education that would eventually replace patriotism and Christianity in school with communism and globalism. Quote, among the elementary measures of the American Soviet government, the things that we will need to adopt to further the cultural revolution are the following. The schools, colleges, and universities will be coordinated and grouped under the National Department of Education, and its state and local branches will be incorporated as well. Foster declared an idea that was almost unthinkable to America of that day. He also outlined what this anticipated U.S. Department of Education would do once that it was in charge of the schools. Quote, The studies will be revolutionized, being cleansed of religious, patriotic, and other features of the bourgeois ideology, he said. The students will be taught on the basis of Marxian dialectical materialism, historical materialism, internationalism, and the general ethics of the new socialist society. That's a pretty bold statement. Of course, it took a long time to make all these things become reality, but anyone who has studied even briefly 
what is going on right now in the federally controlled public schools of the United States today can see that Foster's agenda has been thoroughly implemented in every respect. It's not coming about. It is here. And it's all over the country. And unless it gets dealt with in a drastic manner, the disease will prove to be fatal. Now, aside from a few insignificant offices to collect statistics over the years, in Congress recommending Bibles printed by Robert Aitken of Philadelphia for use in the schools in the late 1700s, the federal government played virtually no role whatsoever in the education of American children. Indeed, it wasn't until the 1960s, actually, long after the government school system created by collectivists had started destroying the traditional education, that the federal government took its first big major steps into the foray of education. It began in 1962 and in 1963 with two U.S. Supreme Court rulings declaring that it was somehow a violation of the First Amendment to allow prayer or Bible readings in public schools. Now, these lawless opinions, as admitted by one of the justices in his dissent, these things replaced Christianity at a school level with the collectivist idea of religious humanism, which John Dewey fully embraced and promoted. And he was, of course, one of the socialist founders of the American public school system. And humanism, as we've seen, was nothing more than a restating of socialism and communism. Well-educated Americans would have instantly recognized the absurdity of such a ruling. And after all, when the First Amendment was written and ratified, most of the states had already established many, many churches. The idea that this amendment, designed to prevent a national religion, was supposed to somehow prohibit states and communities from having prayer or Bibles in school would have been laughed at in the 30s or the 40s, or even as late as the 1950s. But by the 1960s, public education had been deeply influenced by UNESCO and other individuals. Certain things had already been in place for generations, dumbing down Americans and erasing their understanding of history to the point that such an outlandish anti-constitutional ruling became feasible. It was not long after that rogue court ruling under Earl Warren that Congress, almost certainly emboldened by the high court's flagrant constitutional intrusions into state and local education, launched the Elementary and Secondary Education Act, which is called ESEA. It was signed by President Lyndon B. Johnson under the guise of, of course, helping the states to educate all the disadvantaged students. This statute opened up the floodgates of federal funding to schools kindergarten through 12th grade. As the old cliche goes, with federal funding comes federal control. And in exchange for federal taxpayer money, first released under ESI, schools were forced to accept a growing array of federal regulations. At this point, the feds had effectively nationalized the public school system. Globalizing it is the next frontier. Now, we don't believe all this stuff, but go to your local elementary school and ask certain questions and find out. You will see very quickly that to violate certain principles that the government has laid out would mean forfeiting a great deal of funds that are needed to keep that school operation. The job of the principal is not so much to keep the kids happy and educated, but to keep those funds coming smoothly without any consequences. 
There are more than 100 subsidy programs in place right now under the Department of Education, which has a budget approaching $100 billion, including discretionary and mandatory spending. Everything from discipline and academic standards to lunches, data collection, and even the gender of textbook writers is now subject to federal guidelines and regulations. So forget about the idea that states have to set up their own educational standards. Sounds good, but it's not true. Once the camel's nose was under the tent, it did not take long for the entire smelly beast to shove its way all the way in. The relatively new U.S. Department of Education, which has centralized control over education in an unprecedented manner, has also played a crucial role in weaponizing Americans' public education system against individual liberty. Established in 1979 under President Jimmy Carter, the cabinet-level department was basically part of a quid pro quo agreement with the socialist-controlled National Education Association. The powerful union, which named the socialist and humanist John Dewey as its honorary life president, was already acting as sort of a national ministry of education. That's neat, isn't it? You see how they put their program together as we sat by watching? With the birth of that actual department, the deal was sealed. And by the time the U.S. Department of Education was established, Congress's investigative committees charged with exposing communist infiltration of the federal government had been dismantled. Right now, it's difficult to determine how many actual communists work within the department. The biggest problem we have in the United States today, according to many, with socialist and Marxist ideology is found in the Society of Democratic Socialists, which includes many members of Congress and the Senate. And it's flooding our colleges, universities. But, as the Bible says, by their fruits, you shall know them. And the fruit coming from the Department of Education has been rotten to the core from day one. From the start, Using grants and other means, this unconstitutional behemoth began working to bring all education in the United States under federal control. And worse than that, it worked to systematically dumb down the American people and transform the values of your children and mine, according to whistleblower Charlotte Eisermitt. She served as a senior policy advisor on education under the Reagan administration. She saw what was going on and brought it to the attention of the public. We did listen. All of it was in line with what the mass-murdering Soviet regime was doing. Indeed, from its earliest days, the U.S. Department of Education was involved in helping to Sovietize the American public school system, Eisenbelt told. This agenda has been extremely successful in facilitating the disaster we now know as public education. Upon taking up her post at the Department of Education, Eisermitt found documents revealing that public schools in America were introducing Soviet nonsense in the curricula in the classroom, with help from the major foundations that supported education. In response to these things, the patriotic Eisermitt began leaking the official documents to the press in an attempt to blow the whistle and stop this insanity. She eventually compiled the smoking gun evidence in her explosive book, The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America. 
get a copy of that and read it. Quote, when I was there, what I saw, I realized in retrospect, the nation at risk report was very important, Iserbet said, referring to a government report commissioned by Ronald Reagan, arguing that the U.S. educational system threatened America's future. They needed that particular report to convince America that we had terrible schools so that they could bring or begin to bring the reforms that they needed. Pointing to the Soviet educational system and the forces that worked to bring similar schemes to America, Iserbet also was convinced that communism was the goal, the ultimate goal. The U.S. Secretary of Education, Terrell Bell, wanted to put the communist system, Iserbet argued, in place. I believe he himself was a communist. If you read in my book the things he said, there's no way to come up with any other conclusion. Among other schemes, Iserbet said Bell was the one responsible for bringing in the methods of education advocated by anti-Christian behaviorist B.F. Skinner and Soviet psychologist Ivan Pavlov to the American school system. These Pavlonian and Skinnerian methods destroy free will by treating people like animals, animals to be trained and to give reflexive responses to stimuli, said Eisenberg. This is animal training, not education. This is what's being used in communist countries to train and to brainwash their populations. They aren't educating them. Because of the Department of Education, it's being used over and over and over again here in America as well. Iserbet goes on to say, their agenda was to have absolute control of the American population through these changes in teaching and instruction being brought into the schools through the Department of Education. She was pointing to the important role of the Carnegie Endowment in negotiating with Soviets on education. So they claimed all these national reforms were needed to change education from what you know in your head to what you actually can do, which is Soviet-style workforce training. You're trained to do something, not to be anything. Eisenman also witnessed how great educators with valuable experience who truly loved liberty such as Edward Curran, who led the National Institute of Education at the U.S. Department of Education, they were purged and driven out. Meanwhile, collectivists, the idiots, continued moving quickly up the ranks. These political appointees, most of them, truly were rotten, said Eisenbitt. To impose radical reforms on America, Eisenbitt said she witnessed the Department of Education handing out all manner of enormous grants to fund dangerous insanity, data gathering, and efforts to transform the values of children away from the nuclear family and from traditional American ideas. And they were going to use education to do this. This was their goal and their intention. I believe these intentions and efforts were very abusive towards traditional values, she said, pointing to her important short publication. She wrote a little booklet called Soviets in the Classroom, America's latest education fad. Today, even after having a Republican in the White House for four years, Mr. Donald J. Trump, the Department of Education remained fully and firmly under collectivist control. During the 2016 presidential election, for an example, an analysis by The Hill revealed that 99.7% of all political spending by Department of Education bureaucrats went to support Hillary Clinton in her effort. That's the highest contribution rate of any federal department. 
even after Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos took up her post under Donald Trump, the left-wing extremism from the department continued to spew forth. She didn't do anything to stop that. Indeed, on February 12, 2017, the department's Twitter account posted a quote by Communist Party USA member Webb Dubois, with his name misspelled, no less, drawing national ridicule. Among other absurdities, Dubois claimed that the USSR, led by one of the most brutal and murderous regimes in human history, was the most hopeful country on earth. During the darkest depths of the Great Leap Forward, Dubois even held multiple meetings with mass-murdering communist Chinese dictator Mao Zedong, and the two were always pictured with smiles on their faces. These are some of the people who control U.S. education. Under the previous information, the department, using stimulus money to bribe states into compliance, even imposed Obama-backed national standards on the, on the nation. Standards that are aligned with the international schemes of the global educationalist, UNESCO. With around 4,000 employees, the educational department's budget had been ballooning since it was created initially. And that's despite President Ronald Reagan promising to abolish it. And President Trump saying on the campaign trail, if we don't eliminate this completely, we certainly need to cut its power and reach. There's currently a bill in Congress, H.R. 899, to abolish the Department of Education. When asked why the bill was needed, Representative Thomas Massey of Kentucky, the chief sponsor, replied in an interview, how much time do you have? The left understands that this is where you win or lose, in the schools and in the teaching of the children. This Kentucky congressman understood basic principles, and obviously he did not side with the radical left. Massey also noted that under Donald J. Trump, while he was president, that there existed a tremendous opportunity to make abolishing the department a bipartisan endeavor. Liberals and progressives, of course, don't want Trump in charge of their children's education. Any more than conservatives want Barack Obama or Joe Biden having anything to do with it. Unelected bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. should not be in charge of our children's intellectual and moral development. They have an agenda. States and local communities are best positioned to shape the curricula that meet the needs of their students. The group of U.S. parents involved in education, which is under the title USPIE, is working to end all federal involvement in education, and they need to work hard. Although this experiment with federal control of local public schools has gone on for over half a century now, it has horribly failed. USPIE President Sherry Few told the Epoch Times, the U.S. Department of Education has existed because it's about control. It is not about the children. And when you hear superintendents and state legislatures and congressmen all saying it's all for the children, know this, they're lying. We need to stop treating our children like guinea pigs in some social engineering laboratory. The U.S. Constitution and common sense both demand that the federal government get out of education. That would be a great step forward. However, as we've seen, the government education system has been controlled by collectivists since its inception. 
That means getting the feds out by itself will not solve the systemic problems that, that plague education in the United States today. Still, if you end the fed ed, as they call it, maybe, maybe that's a decent place to start. Personally, I do not believe that education is going to, is going to correct the moral decay that we see around us. Education, public education is not going to save us. We're running from God, and we're embracing sin. We've forsaken everything that has brought us as a nation together. We've rejected God and his word. We need to go back to that point and reclaim those things. And then we know where to stand. And then education might be able to mean something. And this would be a first step to to much more far-reaching reforms that are needed. Together, we can pray, right? And pray for little Johnny. Because the problem is, he still can't read. with Vintage Broadcasting. We do appreciate your participation in listening to our broadcast. We hope that it benefits you in some way and that you'll continue listening in the days to come.